0: I love this morning's sermon as we go deeper um, because it was planned weeks ago. Um, probably about a month ago is, is when I knew we were going to be preaching on this story. I didn't know when. It was supposed to be, I think, last week or whatever. I don't know. My, my timeline is totally blurred right now. Um, but it got postponed, it got held off till this morning. And thank you, Jesus, for that. There, you can't tell me God's not sovereign in his timing. Um, because what we're talking about today is really emotions. We're going to be talking about dealing with emotions. We're going to be talking about how uh, Jesus was an emotional man. He was, he was an emotional savior. And so what do we do with those things, right? How do we navigate our emotions? And we're going to look at Jesus in and, and this story that is very profound and, and very awesome Um, But but the specific verse that we're going to look at that was kind of the catalyst for this entire sermon this morning is one that if you grew up in church, you're probably very familiar with, but maybe not understanding the context of it fully. And if you can just go back to the days when you were in VBS or Sunday school or whatever, and your teacher uh, may have asked, hey, does anybody know a Bible verse by heart? Right. And there was always that one kid that was really trying to be funny in the class that raised their hand and would say this one specific verse. Um, that was really short, uh, that they had memorized. Does anyone know what, which one I might be talking about? Yeah, say it out loud. Jesus wept, Jesus wept right. <laughs> that was the classic answer in VBS. I know one, Jesus wept. Hey, I'm funny, right? And they had no idea what it was about or even where it might have come from. And so we're going to talk about this morning, about that whole story leading up to Jesus. Think about this, the Son of God who could walk on water, who rose from the dead, weeping amongst People, And so let's look in John chapter 11. What we're going to do is we're just going to break this down verse by verse and just walk through this entire, it's about 44 verses, and we'll march through it. But um, just so many good things to to discuss this morning. And I I pray that it will bless all of us in here as we read. So starting in verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Okay, so we'll stop there for a second. And let's notice here that the message that Mary and Martha send Jesus is not an invitation, right? Not by the standards that that we measure an invitation. In other words, it doesn't say, uh, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Can you come to Bethany and pray for him? Can you come to Bethany and, and lay hands on him and heal him? Right? There is none of that. All it says in the message that we know of, at least, is that, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Okay? And so in these times that they're living in then, when someone says someone is very sick, right, that doesn't mean that they have the flu or they got a bad cold or a sinus infection. It means that they're about to die. All right? Very sick back then meant something different than very sick today. All right, And so they don't need to invite Jesus because, check this out, y'all, they know... They know how Jesus feels about Lazarus. They know that telling him that he is very sick is invitation enough. That because Jesus loves uh, Lazarus, that he will respond to the news that he is very sick. Okay, and just let that resonate for a second. And here's something that we can take from that in terms of our prayer life. You know, when we, when we pray for people, when we've been praying for people this week that are sick, we often make the mistake, whether we understand it or not, that we are bringing someone that we love to the Lord so that they will heal them for them and also for us, right? Because we love that person. And we forget a lot of times that, wait a second, Jesus loves them more than we do right? That he cares more for their well-being than we ever possibly could. And so rather than going and say, hey, this is someone that I love. Can you heal them, please? Instead, we could say, Jesus, the one that you love, the one that you care for, the one that you died for, the one that you see, the one that you know every hair on their head, that person is sick. Will you heal them? And that's what they are doing here. Mary and Martha are saying, Jesus, this one that you love, this dear friend, is very sick. He goes on to say in verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it will happen. it, it, It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So there's two things to look at in here. The first one, it says that, so that the son of God will receive glory from this. What he's saying is like, look, Lazarus is not going to die. All right. He says that to them. Spoiler alert. All right. If y'all haven't heard the story, Lazarus, he he doesn't die. All right. But Jesus tells them that right off the bat. But then he says this very interesting thing here. So that the son of God will receive glory from this. And here's the thing, y'all. When we follow the Lord, everything is for his glory. Every single thing that we walk through, every single thing that we endure is for his glory. And what he is actually saying here is not that I'm going to be glorified because I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead. It's actually far greater than that because we're not going to get to it this morning. But what happens after, after Lazarus is raised from the dead is the plot to kill Jesus begins. So the result, the fruit of Lazarus coming out of the tomb is is, yes, a celebration of Lazarus, but it begins the process of the Pharisees wanting to kill Jesus. And so the glory that Jesus is talking about right here is not the glory of him raising Lazarus from the dead. The glory is him raising himself from the dead. That is the glory that Jesus is talking about right here. And that is the glory that he gets all the time when we walk with him. Because we can point to the cross and we can say he was raised from the dead for us. Glory to Jesus. And we can hold on to that and we can cling on to that in every single moment, in every single thing that we walk through. And here's the other thing it says in verse 6. It says, so he stayed where he was for the next two days. So Lazarus isn't going to die. This is all for my glory. So I'm just going to stay here. Why? Two reasons that I want to look at this morning. Why he would stay there for two more days. And the first one is this, and this is something that we all need to hear this morning. Because Jesus never freaks out. All right? Jesus never freaks out. He never panics, ever. And so where we might hear this news, hey, your dear friend Lazarus is very sick. He's about to die. Oh, I gotta go. I gotta go right now. We gotta pack our bags. We gotta hit the road. We gotta we'll, we'll take care of this. Let's call so-and-so. So, And we go into a panic, right? We start making these plans that we have to do this, 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 and that, and the other. Jesus never, never reacts like that. Do you know why? Because nothing catches him off guard. Though Mary and Martha are telling him this, Jesus, I guarantee you, knew already. Because he's God. And so though in circumstances we panic and we freak out, we have to remember. Listen, everybody in here, everybody watching online, Jesus never panics, ever. And so when the word of God tells us to be anxious for nothing, what the Lord is telling us in that is, hey, be more like me. All right. Be more like me because I'm not panicking. So why should you don't take on a burden and start worrying and panicking that you're not supposed to? That's my problem. And if you look to me, you're going to see someone that is not panicking. So that's the first reason that he didn't jump out of his seat, pack his bag, and make a beeline to Lazarus. The second reason is this, is because with Jesus, timing is everything. Timing is everything, and his timing is always perfect. You know why he waited those extra two days? Because there was a thought, a belief, a superstition, whatever you want to call it, that in, in those days that the spirit would still hover around a body for three days. And if if something were to happen to the body in those three days, it was just the spirit wasn't ready to leave yet, and there was this miraculous deal or whatever, and they're alive again, okay? So what did Jesus do? He waited a fourth day because he wanted to make sure everybody knew that when this happened, when he called that name Lazarus, that there was not the spirit hovering over the body. That was the power of the Most High God speaking to death and death being obedient. And so that everybody would believe. And he says that. He says that. And that's something that we also have to consider in everything that we walk through. God isn't panicking over it. He sees it coming. And his timing is perfect, whether we understand it or not. Whether we look at a God that looks like he's just chilling, not reacting to whatever we're praying for or telling him about. He's saying, no, 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 no. Listen, I'm not panicked over this. My timing is perfect. Continue to trust in me. Verse 7, finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? I love Jesus' reply here. Verse 9, says, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. So when Jesse and I, uh, we were probably married about three years. That's before we had any kids when, you know, you can, as a married couple, still do things, right? And uh, we, we went to Breckenridge, Colorado, and I took her on a little snowboard trip. And uh, it was a blast. We had such a good time. But there was a day where we, we didn't snowboard. We decided uh, she really wanted to do dog sledding and uh, I was like oh, okay well you know we're here let's do it and so we called the place we got the brochure or whatever and um and they're like yeah you can come there's spots tomorrow but tomorrow's the last day of the season we were there I think like the first week of April and um you know we're two born and raised beach kids from Florida right and we flew into Denver and they gave us a rental car and it was like a, it was like a Chrysler Sebring you know this like two-door deal you know and um I was a little nervous, you know, new husband trying to take care of my new wife, you know, and prove to her that I was a man and I could drive through the Rocky Mountains. And, but on the inside, I was a little nervous when we flew into Denver. We got our car. I've never driven through the mountains, especially in a tiny little sedan deal. And, um, but thank the Lord, it didn't snow the whole drive up. And it's, I don't know, about a two-hour drive. I don't remember. Something like that. And we stayed in a place that had an indoor parking garage. So we were like parked the car, never had to get in it again, and just walked around everywhere. It was awesome. Until the day that we went dog sledding. And um, so we get in the car and it's snowing, but like, you know, it's Colorado, it's gonna snow a little bit. And we turn on the radio, we're listening to some music, and the place is like 45 minutes away. And as we're leaving, you know, this nice, cozy, covered parking garage, indoor, you know, um, like, man, it's starting to snow a little more. And we turn on the radio and it's saying, hey, you know, severe weather stay off the roads. Uh, You know, if you don't have to travel, don't. And and I'm saying like, it's cool, you know, trying to be that husband that's not showing any panic. We don't have snow tires. Even if we did, I wouldn't know what to do with them, the chains, whatever. I had no idea, right? I know how to chain on a bike, but that's about it. And as we continue to drive to this place, the snow just gets heavier and heavier and I am panicking more and more. On the inside, my knuckles are getting wider and wider and, you know, with every mile that that we go by. And, and Jesse's kind of like, this is a little crazy, but we're determined to you know, do this dog sledding, all right? And we turn off on the road to the place, and it's a dirt road, all right? And it's a long dirt road, and it's covered in snow. And I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, we're gonna get stuck, we're 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 gonna be stranded here, and snow is gonna cover this thing, the, the battery's gonna die on the car, and we're we're gonna die. It's been a nice run. All right, let's you know, and that's it. And I was freaking out, all on the inside, trying not to show her that I was freaking out, that I had it under control. Did she know? Probably. We finally get to the place and I'm like talking to the people. Do we need to go back? What do we need to do? They're like, it's fine. What are you talking about? They were not concerned at all, right? And, um, but, you know, in those moments, there's, there's times in our life where on the outside, we try and put on this show, right? That everything is just fine. But on the inside, oh man, we are scared to death. And when Jesus talks to the disciples right here and says, look, we're going to Judea. We're going to go through there to get to our friend. And they say, but Jesus, they're gonna stone you. They just tried to just a couple of days ago. There is not an ounce of that, I'm gonna be okay on the outside, but on the inside, I'm freaking out. Because what Jesus says here is look, we're walking by the light of day. We're walk- walking by light. And you know who owns the light? Me. I am the light. And so I am not afraid at all, because as I go, that road is mine. And so what we need to be very careful of with the circumstances that we are in is is asking ourselves, are we walking by light or are we walking by darkness? Because what Jesus says is when the sun goes down and the darkness comes and we try to walk in darkness, that is when we stumble. That is when we become fearful. With The second that we get out of the truth of the word of God, we stumble. And here's the thing, y'all. There's there's the light of Jesus, and then there is everything else. That is it. He doesn't share his light with any bit of darkness. That is it. He has a light. We walk with it. We go down the way that he says, and we're taken care of. He's not panicking on the inside, and he's not panicking on the outside. He's not pretending or putting on a front to be a savior that is kind of a little scared if we do this. No, 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 there's none of that. He says, we got work to do. We have work to do. They're going to try and stone me. I ain't scared. I'm called to go forward, and so that is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it by the light of day. I'm going to do it by the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to do it by the light of the Son of God. That, bl- that, that, that that just takes all darkness away. And that's what we're doing here. That is what we're doing. We're following the light of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And yeah, that road might be scary at times, but if Jesus says go, we're going to go. We are going, and we're going to do it on the truth of God, that he is our light. Verse 12, the disciples said, Lord... If he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow fellow disciples, let's go too and die with Jesus. Right? Let's go be martyrs with Jesus. He doesn't even get it then. And so the disciples' assumption is that they were going to die on the way. All right? The truth that Mary and Martha were living in was that Lazarus was dead. But here's the thing, y'all. Jesus never lets death get the glory. Ever. In anything. So he's not about to let death get the glory then walking to see Lazarus. Jesus came to steal, to take back the glory that death once had. Do you understand that? Like the the enemy's ultimate weapon, the enemy's ultimate victory is death. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm taking that too. I have power. Just like we sang earlier this morning, I have dominion. It's one name and that's Jesus. It's not death. It's not anything else but him. And so as they're walking and saying, we're going to die with him, Jesus, I got to wonder what he must have been like. Are you serious? I'm not going to let death get the glory in this moment. We're going to take the glory from death. And you know what? That's true today. When we do come together and have that memorial service for Pastor Luis, we're not giving death glory. We're celebrating life and eternity in Jesus That's what we're doing. And we all have that. Death no more gets any glory. It all belongs to Jesus. When when Jesus arrived, verse 17 at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. There it is. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And here's three very powerful words that we're going to stand on as well, just like Martha. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. But even now, all this warfare, all that we're going through, all that we're experiencing here at Beaches Chapel. But even now, even now, we know that you reign that you are God on the throne of heaven and earth. And if we can say that as a church, if we can say that in our homes, if we can say that over those that we're praying for, over those that we're mourning, even now, God, I am not going to be swayed. Even now, you are God, and nothing that the enemy throws at us will ever, ever deter us from saying that, from proclaiming that, that you are God even now, even tomorrow, even the next day, whatever is thrown our way, even now, God, you reign. And I encourage those that are at home, say that. Those that we're praying over that are sick, let's say that. Let's not give the enemy any glory that does not belong to him. Let's not let him try and steal what is rightfully Jesus Christ's. Even now, church, whatever we walk through, it'll be the same today and tomorrow and the next day. We will proclaim that I'm telling you as a lead pastor. Of this place, we are not going to stop. If anything, I don't know about y'all, but when I get when we've had some good reports, thank you, Jesus. It doesn't make me go, "Whew, glad that's over." They're almost better. No, I hear, him like, let, we got to pray more. We got to keep going. We got to keep getting on our knees. We, we, we got we to pray more here at Beaches Chapel. Let's, let's not get through the season that we're in and, and, and miss the lesson that God is teaching us. That our place is on our knees before him. Being more desperate. I, I'm more desperate now than I've ever been. I th- I've told someone that I thought I was desperate. I really thought I was being desperate. But clearly not. God is in this. So even now, yes, Lord, we say as a church, even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Even now, Lord Jesus, you reign. Verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at that last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. You notice the difference in Martha there, by the way? How she, as she proclaims who Jesus is, it's like, let me go get my sister so she can be reminded too. She returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. Verse 29. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. You hear that in her. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, it says a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. So we haven't even gotten to the weeping yet. What happens before he weeps with his people? Jesus here has a deep anger well up in him. We we miss this in the story a lot, that Jesus was angry. And listen to this, the verb, uh, in some translations, it might say groan. And the verb rendered groan is an unusual one. If we go back to the Greek, it, signif- it signifies a loud, inarticulate noise. <laughs> and its proper use appears to be for the snorting of horses. All right. But when it's used for, uh, for people, for men, it denotes anger. And I-, I love just thinking about what Jesus sounded like in this moment. We had this deep anger welling up in him, and they used a word that is really used for horses when they're snorting. And I, I don't know if any of, any of you have ever been in that place where you have these emotions welling up in you, where there's an anger, and, and literally just noise comes out, where, where it's just, you know, something like that. And, 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 and this is what Jesus is going through in this moment when he sees Mary and Martha, he sees these people weeping. He doesn't just start crying first. What happens is, is he actually gets angry and he's not mad at the people. He's not mad at, at Mary and Martha and the disciples or anybody else that's weeping over the death of Lazarus. You know what he's mad at? He's mad at the enemy because he sees his people he sees those that he loved who are hurting, and it angers him. And we need to know that, y'all. When we are hurting and we're crying out to God, he's not just sitting there going, okay, cool. He's angry at the enemy. He hates it. He hates that his people are having to go through this, that sin has caused us to go through this. And we're here, and, we're, and, we're, and he's, he's looking, he's like, I, I got something for you. But before he weeps with us, he is angry, and there's a welling up in him. And you know what? I love that. I love that Jesus gets angry and that there, there's, this, there's this guttural sound that comes out from him when he sees the enemy trying to destroy his people and y'all need to know that. We need to know that. That when the enemy tries to have his way with us, it angers our Savior. I don't know about y'all, but if I was the enemy, I wouldn't want Jesus to be mad at me. But this is raw emotion coming out. And then he says this, Verse 34, where have you put him? And he asked, uh, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, then Jesus wept. Then he weeps with his people. Let's let's review for a second. He's not scared. Anything, right? Jesus is the savior, that there's nothing on the inside where he's panicking or anything like that. His timing is perfect. He's already told everybody. From the the word go, when he heard about Lazarus being very sick, he said, this will not end in death. He's angry at the enemy, but he's also moved by his people, knowing what's going to come, knowing who he is, angry at the enemy, knowing that this is all for his glory. He's surrounded by those that he loves, and he sees them hurting, and he begins to weep with them. So even though he knows the end from the beginning, he is moved by his people. And I want you all to hear that as well. Those at home, I want you to hear that as well. We do not pray and worship a far off distant God. He's like, yeah, just suck it up. I got other things I got to do. He's in it with us. He is right here with us and he is moved. Are you hurting right now? Are there any of us that are hurting with whatever you might be going through. It might not have anything to do with what's going on here at Beaches Chapel. You might have your own issues outside of this place. By the way, your issues outside of this place are our issues. What are you hurting? Jesus can relate. And those those tears that you've cried are not cried in vain. They are not wasted. Not a single drop is wasted on our Savior. On Jesus, because though he is all powerful, and though he knows what is going to happen, and though he's not he's not taken aback by any of this, he still, he still sees your tears and appreciates every one of them. They are not wasted on him, they are not lost on him. When Jesus sees his people hurting, he is right there and he weeps with them. Verse 36, the people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. I love that. He, Jesus is battling emotions here, y'all. He's mad, he's crying, he's all this stuff, and, it's, and he's, still, he's still mad when he gets to the tomb. I, I just, that fires me up. I love that. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. And I want to say this about our emotions that we might be wrestling with this week. Emotions, as, as we learn here, are not in and of themselves a bad thing. Jesus was emotional. And a lot of times we can think that they are, or, or, or we, we give them too much value, where I'm emotional over this, and so I'm going to live on my emotions. But what emotions really are, are our launching off point to how to pray to the Lord. And not just when we're angry or when we're crying, but even in the good times. Like, I had a great day today. I got, I got that raise I was looking for. Or I got the money. You know, we closed on the house we've been trying to get, whatever it might be. So we take those emotions, and what do we do? We go to the Lord, and we say, thank you, God. Thank you that I had a good day today. And then in the hard days, we do the same thing. We don't live in the fear. We don't live in our hurt. We say, God, I'm hurting. God, your word says not to be afraid, but I'm having a really hard time not being afraid right now. I give those to you. This is what I'm feeling, but I wanna give you my feelings and you return that with truth on how to operate in truth, in the light with what I'm feeling right now. That's what our emotions are for, is to, is to navigate how we pray to the Lord every day. And I'm telling y'all right now, when you pray, if you're wrestling with things right now, be ridiculously honest with him. That's what he wants from us. And this is just on an aside, but be honest with God. If you are struggling with your faith, even God, I, I don't, I don't get this. Why would you do this? Ask him, tell him, tell him you don't get him. And this is, we were talking about this the other day in, in, at work, like that's the Psalms right there. That's what David does. God, I'm struggling. God, I don't get this. And then as you keep reading in the chapter, whatever it might be, but you are God and I trust in you. So we give him our feelings and we stand on the truth because truth is what we build our lives on, not our feelings, because those come and go every day, but the truth is here forever. Verse 39, Jesus says, roll the stone aside. Jesus told him, but Martha, the dead man's sister protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Hallelujah. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. You know what we see here? If you listen to the words, if you read these words, Martha refers to Lazarus as a dead man. John, who's writing this story, refers to him as a dead man. Jesus refers to him as Lazarus. He hadn't given up on him yet. And what we also see is, if you read, this is what I love in verse 44, it says, and the dead man came out. What is it saying there? It says, death obeyed Jesus. Jesus calls Lazarus out, and he says, come out, Lazarus. And you know what death has to do? It's got to say, okay. Because death is under Jesus' foot, just like everything else in the world. He does have the authority, and that is how we pray, to a God where death has to obey him. Four days after, but even now, God, even now, you reign. Will we pray like that? We have to. We have to. I'm going to close with this me these two things, actually. In Romans 8, starting verse 34, it says, "Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and He is sitting. In the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. When, when Jesus was at the tomb and he was angry, he'd been crying, been dealing with all these, you know, I'm sure it was a chaotic scene. A lot of people there, you know, back when they would weep over death, it was not a quiet in the corner thing. It was loud. It was, it was public, right? Um, so it was a scene. And Jesus, he, he calls out to God from earth, Well, now Jesus isn't calling from earth to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's got God's ear. All he has to do is whisper. He doesn't have to shout anymore. And it says that he is pleading for us. That is our Savior. Our Savior where death has to be obedient to him. And I want to say this too. It's not in your notes or anything, but I want to just read Matthew 16, 18. It says, upon this rock... I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Beech's Chapel and the people in it, this place is built on the rock, on the truth of God, and the gates of hell will not prevail over Beech's Chapel, over anything that we are walking through. But y'all, we have to get on our knees And we have to pray and believe that all of us, that as we call out to Jesus, we understand that he is pleading for us and he is angry at the enemy. And that when we cry in our homes, in our car, wherever we might be, that he sees those tears and they are not wasted on him, that he is a God who loves us and who is our protector and we are his children and we are no longer slaves of fear. We can't operate like that. And I know we can be tempted to be. I've been tempted to be that way this week. I've battled with fear. I've had moments like, God, I don't know what to do. I don't understand what you're doing here. And in those moments, we have to get on our knees. We got to pray. We got to pray in tongues. We got to worship. We can't go down that road of darkness and stumble. We have to walk in the light that what God says is true And remember this story and say, just like Mary, God, even now, even now, I believe. And if we do that, and especially if we do it together, God is going to show himself true to every single one of us and to this place. But that's why it is so important that at 1230 every day, if you've been missing that memo, 1230 every day, set an alarm and stop and pray for the people here at Beaches Chapel. Pray for the leadership. Pray for those that are sick. You don't have to know them by name. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Just pray. And as we link arms together as a church, we're going to see those signs and those miracles and wonders in Jesus' name. We're going to see those that we've been praying for get out of the hospital. We're going to see those that we've been praying for to just come to church are going to come. And so this week, I want to I remind you again, starting tomorrow, we're going to fast and pray leading up till Saturday, whatever that might be for you. You can pray about it today. I'm giving you this afternoon and tonight to figure out what that is. And I want to reiterate again to those that are sick, don't fast food or or water or anything like that. Find something else. And if you're going to be out of town on Saturday, that's fine. If you're going to be, if you're sick and you can't come, please stay home. But if you can be here on Saturday, be here with us. Because it's going to take all of us here. Linking arms together as a body, as a family, lifting each other up. That's what we're called to be, y'all. We are a family here at Beaches Chapel. We we lift one another up when we're struggling. We celebrate when there's good news. But we're in a battle right now. But the good news is, is we already know who wins. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. And the gates of hell. Will not prevail over this place in Jesus' name. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. I'm excited. I'm so excited for what is to come here. I'm so pumped. And I don't have the answers to everything, I don't have a timetable, but I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit is about to unleash the flood, and it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. So I'm going to close in prayer right now. And what I want to do, especially for those that are at home, this is really more for those that are watching online. As, as you log off this morning and we stop the live stream, I want those at home especially to get on your knees with whoever you're with. If you, if you can't get on your knees, if you're, if you're not feeling well, just wherever you're at. But if you're able to, get on your knees and just take five minutes, 10 minutes if you, if you can. And just pray, whatever you're walking through, whatever's going on, pray. Pray hard, pray pray with authority, pray with confidence that Jesus hears you and he knows exactly what you're going through. And we're gonna do the same right now. We're gonna pray right now in this room. I also wanna mention, I I don't want this to be forgotten. Um, We are still taking tithes this week and we're gonna pray over those as well. We have a box in the back you can give. Uh, your tithes on the way out. You can give online. That's another resource of our app and our website you can give. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we want to continue to remember that we do have the business of the house here that we have to do as well. And so let's just, let's just close in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Yes, Lord Jesus. Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done. God, we give you glory right now. God, we honor you as God of heaven and of earth. God, we God, we we give you reverence, Father. We exalt you, Lord. Whatever the enemy was trying to deter here this these past couple weeks, it didn't work. And it is not going to work. If anything, it just woke us up more. God, forgive us. If we weren't pressing in enough, God, have mercy on us, Jesus. Where we've missed the mark, Lord, and, and we've coasted and, and thought if we just do this, that, and the other, then everything will be great. And when really you've been calling us to get on our knees at the altar, to get on our knees in our living room, Lord. God, let us be a people who are hungry and desperate, Lord, and confident, God, in you and in your name, in the name of Jesus, that even death has to be obedient. God, we are not going to back down. We are going to continue to pray and pray because that's all we know to do and that's what you've called us to do. Teach us, Father, in this hour that we're in right now, to pray in a new way, God. For those that are still learning to pray, God, I pray that you would bring increase for them. God, that out of their mouths would come new words, Father, and a new heart, Lord, that you're teaching us, Father. God, for those of us that have been going to church for a long time, God, I pray for fresh revelation as well. Your word says that revelation and wisdom comes through the Holy Spirit, so give us more of it, Father. Through your Holy Spirit, Lord, let our greatest weapon be, Father, the gift of your Holy Spirit to speak in tongues over everything, God. When we're weary, Lord, when we don't have the words anymore, we don't have the strength to say it anymore, let us speak in tongues, God, over what we have going on here at Beaches Chapel. But God, we thank you, Lord, that you are in this, that you are not absent from it. And though it might feel like if only you had been here then, God, that your glory is gonna be seen here, that your timing is perfect, Your timing is perfect and you are not scared by any of this at all. We claim Beaches Chapel for your glory, Lord. We claim it, Father, right now in Jesus' name. We claim every person that's sick in Jesus' name that you would heal them. We plead the blood of Jesus over them right now. Healing powers over them, Lord God. Speak it, Father, over them right now. God, we ask it of you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. And for those that are at home, I just encourage you right now, spend these next five or ten minutes in your room, wherever you're at, and just pray right now. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you all for coming that we're able to come. Be continue to pray. Tomorrow begins our fast. And hope to see you in here at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. We're going to start in here. And I love y'all so much. Thanks. You can be dismissed.